the devil's been throwing some stuff at me lately, and, and, and I've heard of him throwing some stuff at some other people lately, and I know it's because we're moving forward. I know it's because we're taking this revival spirit, and we're going to move it forward, and we're going to have some Holy Ghost runaway services. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. A couple of us are going to anyway. We're going to see some souls saved for the kingdom. We're about to have a big outbreak in this church. Believe it or not, that's what we're about to happen. That's what's about to happen here, right? And so he's going to attack during those times. And we know that our faith is in him, right? We, we, our, our peace is in him. Our hope is in him. So when you have, when, when you have an attack of the enemy, when he, when he comes at you, just know that's all right. I'm moving up and I'm moving on. Amen. And the only thing I got left to do right now is just praise God. Amen. Praise God through it, right? Because he's got this. Not, not praise him for the storm, but praise him through the storm. Amen. Yeah. Don't they do an awesome job? Yes. An excellent job. <laughs> I thank God for the people he sent to this church. Um, I want to talk to you tonight about serving out of a relationship. Are we serving out of a relationship? Am I serving out of a relationship? You know, God did, did, didn't save you, Sharon, to sit in the little gray chairs. She told me I'm going to start saying little gray chairs now because I've been saying little blue chairs for so long. But God just didn't save us to sit in the pew. He didn't save us to hold the chair down in front of us. He didn't save us to just, just come in and be comfortable and sit in the chairs, right? He, he, he didn't save us just to get to heaven. Believe it or not, you're not saved just to get to heaven. He wants to have a relationship with, us, with him, right? He wants us to have that relationship, but he also wants us to serve him, right? Jesus came. He was our example. And did he not serve? Think about it. He washed their feet. It wasn't about washing their feet. It was about serving them, right? He saved you for you to know him, though, that you might be worthy to serve, that you, that you might be fit to serve. Because without that relationship with him, you're not fit to serve. We're not worthy to serve. Your relationship will grow either more rich or more routine. Everybody's got a relationship with God, right? Yeah. Everybody in this room, I think it's our core group. All of us have a relationship with God. Is it growing more rich? Is it growing more routine, right? When it, when it grows more routine, it leaves our heart and the church empty. Amen? If it's just a routine, routine if it's just us going through the motions, our heart's empty. We're not into what we're doing. Right? And, and, and people see that. And I want to talk to you about uh, one church tonight, but it's a couple different times in the Bible. In Acts 19, um, the, the church of, of, of Ephesus... It was the number one city in Asia back in the day. I learned in my study in this week. The, church, or the city of Ephesus was the, was the number one city in Asia. It was, a big, it was a big business city. There was a lot of business going there, a lot of hustle and bustle. And, and we're going to pick it up to here in Acts 19, 11 through 17. I preached some about this on Sunday in the book of Revelations. But he goes on. I'm going to give you a second to get there because I see Brother Adam's still turning. I think my mother's still turning maybe. Acts 19, 11 through 17, we're going to read. The other scripture that I'm going to reference, I'm not going to read it all to you. It's in Revelations chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. You can go there and read that. We read it on Sunday. It says, God was performing, I'm reading in the NASB tonight. It's, I think it's my new favorite translation. I've heard from Jimmy Patilla and Josh Pennington that this is more accurate than the King James. I don't know if it is or not, but it reads really well. And when I've, when I've compared them to each other, they're very, very similar. Um, when I asked Josh Pennington about it, he said, yeah, Jesus didn't speak King James. He didn't speak 1611 English. So this is, anyways, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that the handkerchief or aprons, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and, and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. This is where we get our prayer cloths today. 
This is where we get the idea to anoint a cloth and take it to someone and they can be healed from it because God used this means in, in the early church, right? So, so this is our, an example to us. And 13, it says, but also some of the Jewish exorcists went out from, from place to place. Spirits went out. I'm sorry, I skipped the wrong line. Went out from place to place attempting to use the name of Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, I order you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, right? So Paul had these things going on, and even they were taking cloths off of him, but someone who knew the name of Jesus, right? This church, remember what we read about Sunday on this church, about the, the church that had lost their first love? They were busy, and they had all kinds of ministries coming out of this church, and they had a, a lot of things going on, remember? But he says, I have one thing against you, that you've lost your first love. So this church, had, they, they had ministries coming out. They, they had judged false prophets who, who, who had came and not been preaching the word right, and they had judged them false, right? They were against sin. Remember all the things that they were doing? They were doing the works of God. But it's not just about doing the works. It's about doing it out of a relationship, right? So he says, in the same name that Paul preaches, they came and tried to preach these same, these same things, the seven sons of Seba. Now, now there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief high priest doing this. But, but the evil spirit responded to them and said, I recognize Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? He didn't recognize Paul because of his works. He recognized Paul because of his relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what his works came from, is from his relationship with Jesus, right? Because Jesus knew, or because Paul knew Jesus, then he was able to tap into that power. Then he was able to preach, and, and, and people were saved. Then he was able to, to they were taking cloths off of him, and, and, and spirits were cast out just by the cloth touching there, just by the cloth being there that had been on his body, right? Yeah. There's something about that touch, but it has to be from a relationship. Amen. You see, you can serve and you can work. No one can earn your salvation. No one can earn salvation. Jesus already paid for it. It's a free gift. But when you're saved, there's something that we must do. We have to have that relationship. He paid, for the, he paid the price of our sin for us to be forgiven once and for all, for God to take that sin and cast it as far as the east is the west. But there's got to be a relationship in it. I know you all have heard this many times before. You've heard it, and you've heard it, and you've heard it. He gave it to me to hear it again. It's out of a relationship, right? But who are you, the Spirit says. And the man in whom, in whom was the evil spirit pounced on them and subdued all of them now there were seven of them one man subdued them all right of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded one translation says they were missing their pants right he tore the pants off of them i've seen a lot of fights in my day and i've never seen anybody get their britches ripped off they were overpowered because they didn't have the relationship they were there trying to do it with their works because they thought they knew something. Church, sometimes we think we know something. Sometimes we just get involved in this going through the motions and going through and working and working and we work at it. And sometimes we get so involved with the ministry that we lose our way. Yeah. We're so involved with the ministry that we forget to spend our time with him. We forget about that relationship, right? 17 says, this became known to all, the, all who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greek, and fear fell upon them. All and the, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. God doesn't waste anything, you know. Doesn't waste a thing. Even in their failure, he used it to minister to people. Now in Revelations 2, 1 through 7, I'm not going to read it tonight, but Jesus refers to the church. This is the same church of Ephesus. The same church where all these things were going on, where Paul was there preaching. Can you imagine if we had a revival and Paul did it? 
how fired up would we be that week? Right? If we were taking prayer cloths to all of our family and we were seeing people healed and we were seeing limbs grown out and we were seeing demons cast out, I don't believe this was once in a while they had these services. It was going on all the time, right? They, they were having some Holy Ghost runaway kind of services, right? And they couldn't even have the Spirit living inside of them. I saw a, car, I, I saw a, a thing this week someone wrote on there and it said, I can't wait to get to heaven and ask, ask how Moses how it felt to part the Red Sea and, and, and this one, how they did this miracle and this one, how they did this miracle. And they said, they're going to turn around and want to ask us, how did it feel to have the Holy Ghost living inside of you? We got a better deal than they had. But we look up to them so much. So anyways, this church, Jesus uh, refers to a lampstand, right? He, he, he's talking about the church as the lampstand. And what's a lampstand do? It produces light, right? A lampstand that doesn't produce any light isn't very good. He's comparing the church to a lampstand. He calls us the salt and light of the earth, right? Jesus was checking if the church was producing light. That's what he was doing in the, in the book of Revelation. He was checking and seeing how much light are you shining in the world because he'd say, you're doing this and this and this and this, right? But in this particular church, he says, but you've lost your first love. He, he wasn't checking to see how good they sang. He didn't care about that. He cared about, are you producing light? Are you, are, are you gathering just on Wednesday and Sunday because, because it's Wednesday and Sunday? Is that what we're here tonight? Are they learning how to be brighter lights? He checked on this. Are you here tonight to learn how to be a brighter light? Are you wanting to be a stronger Christian? Are you wanting to develop and mature spiritually? Are you, are you getting that out of this church? Are you learning how to become a brighter light? Are you becoming how, how to be led by the Spirit, right? Jesus wasn't concerned with how good they sang, with how good the preacher was, or how nice your dress is. He doesn't care how we're dressed. What he cares about is, are you producing light? What's the fruit coming out of your life tonight? Are we going through this thing just to go through the motions? Just because I've, well, I've, I've been saved for 35 years, Pastor, and I always go to church on Wednesday night, so I'm going to church on Wednesday night. That's where we live at so many times, though. Is that what we're doing? Or are we doing this out of a relationship? Because I can't wait to get to church on Wednesday night because I've been praying, I've been spending time with Jesus all week long, and I can't wait to get to church tonight just to see what he's going to do. Just to see what he's got in store with me. Just to see what he's given the pastor to feed to me that I can take these things and that I can grow and I can mature and I can learn how to produce more light in everywhere that I go. Amen. It's not just about the church producing light when we're here together. It's about us producing light in the world, right? In the world. The church, the church of Ephesus was busy. They worked hard. They had all kinds. Of, it, it was a big booming business city. I'm sure a lot of them had secular jobs. They had a lot of things going on. They worked hard. They, they, they sacrificed. They had a sound doctrine, he teaches us in Revelations. He said, you, you, you hate sin. You don't like the things I don't like, and I appreciate that about you. It's basically what Jesus said in a nutshell. I, 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 I'm, I'm glad about that. But you've lost your first love, right? Sometimes it's not us being busy. It's not us working hard. Even in the church, it's not about the sacrifices we make, and it's not about our doctrine. Sometimes that's not the problem. The problem is our love life. Amen? Yeah. The problem is our relationship with Jesus. How is my relationship with him? How is it doing today? How is it doing this week? Right? He goes on to say, you've done all these things right. I'm pleased with all these things. But you've lost your first love. You've lost your first love, right? They were spending a lot of time doing things for him. They were working hard. They were busy with the, with the ministry, right? They were doing things for him, but they weren't spending the time 
with him. Not an, or, or not enough time with him. You might spend a little bit of time with God, but maybe it's not feeding you enough. Maybe it's just not, it's not due to it. For, so, so our duty is insufficient, right? Duty can't replace devotion. I can come in here, I could learn to be the best preacher in the world, maybe. I could, I could learn to become better than I am. But without my devotion and without my private time with God, what, wor- what worth is, is attached to it? What is it any good? You could be the best Sunday school teacher or the best praise and worship leader on the planet. But if you've got no relationship with God, where does it come from? What is it worth? What is it worth? I'm talking about serving out of a relationship, right? The duty should come from the devotion. It's because of my relationship with him that I'm happy that I get to stand up here and preach tonight, even though I'm not in my head all the time. I, I get in my head sometimes, you know. The, the week before, here, here's where he's been attacking me out lately. The week before, I felt like I probably preached the best sermon I've ever preached in my life. Probably was. It seemed like it to me from here anyway. You ever have those, Brother Kendall, where they just seem really good and they flow, and man, that was a really great one. And then the next week was the very worst one I ever preached in my life. And the whole time. And it started up here when I was trying to figure out how to make, I got this new guitar and it makes a beautiful sound. But when I get up here and play with everybody else, it goes, it sounds sharp and it makes all kinds of crazy noises. And it started right there and he started getting on me. You can't do this. You're not good enough for this. Sound familiar? You're not good enough for this. Right? Then I get up here and I start trying to preach and I know I've spent my time with God. But he attacks us, right? So our duty has to come out of that relationship, though, because without that relationship, when he jumps on us in the middle of the duty, we fall apart. We get burned out. That's why preachers get burned out. That's why teachers get burned out. Because we're doing it out of the, out of, we just got to do it. I got, I, I got to teach again this week. It, it, it's my turn to do children's church. I got to preach again on Sunday. Not that I get to. I can't wait to get there. Because I've been spending all this time with Jesus, and I'm excited tonight to bring you what he's given me. I need to start serving out of a relationship. That's what I mean to do all the time. That's not what I always do. That's not what I always get done, because I get busy with other things, and life happens, right? But my duty has to come from my devotion, right? He goes on to say, I do want to read this to you tonight. In in Revelations, I'm going to be really short for you tonight, too. In Revelations, I, I just want you to get this. Your duty has to come from your devotion. If it's not coming out of your devotion, you're wasting your time. And you're wasting the time of the people that you're trying to serve. Because I don't care how good you are, how good of a praise and worship leader you are, how good of a teacher you are, how good of a preacher you are, you're not good enough to carry on the anointing on your own and your own ability. You follow what I'm saying? We need him, right? So in, to get our first love back, there's three things that we have to do. Three things that you got to do to get that first love back, right? In Revelations 2 and 5, we're going to read it. And you can read 1 through 7. It goes right along with this. But 1 through, or, or just verse 5 tonight I want to read. Anybody turn in there? Take notes of this. Because if, you're, if you have your first love right on your arm tonight, next week you may not. Right? If you've never struggled with this, hold on, you're going to. If you're not struggling right now, you probably just came out of a struggle. Amen? It happens. It happens. We have peaks and valleys as Christians, and, and, and we get busy, and things happen. So go there. Mark your Bible up on this tonight, even. It says, therefore, this is Jesus talking, by the way. And you got a red-letter edition? It's in red, right? That means it's Jesus saying this, not some crazy old bald-headed preacher. Jesus Christ himself said this. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. Remember. 
Remember how you were when we were young and first saved? And how zealous you were? Remember when the pastor came and gave you your first job in the church? Can any of y'all remember that? When you had your first job, you were zealous about it, right? You studied and studied, and you were probably a ball of nerves. And you studied. I remember the first time my pastor told me he... I was called out to, to come and preach, and I told him that week I, I was going to accept the call, and he said, good, you can start on Wednesday night. So I had just a few days. He said, give your testimony. I said, I don't know how to preach. Give your testimony. And, I, and, I, and I, Brother Adam did the same thing, I think. He, he, he study, and you study, and you study, and you get all these notes, and you're done in about three minutes. Do you remember those days? How zealous we were? I've heard it put before. You're ready to charge Hell's, Hell's Gates with a water pistol. You're ready to take on anything. I remember I used to get, get groups of people before and after, before, in the middle of the day on Sunday, after, after morning service and before evening service, and we'd take the church van out, and we'd beat on doors, and we'd hand out church flyers, and we'd talk to everybody in town that we could. Remember those days? Remember where we came from. That's what he says. Remember. Therefore, remember where you have fallen from. From where you have fallen. And repent. That's the second thing we have to do. God, I know I'm not what I used to be. Lord, I know that I've fallen. I know that I don't have the zeal that I used to have. Father, I may be able to push forward and I get through the week sometimes, but I've lost my zeal. I don't have my zeal that I had. I don't have that anymore, Lord. I want to repent of that, Father God. And he says, and do the deeds that you did at first. That's what this whole month's been about. That's what this whole month's been about, taking, taking a month off from our, from our regular duties. You know, we've, we, ha we have to have Sunday school still, and we, and we have Wednesday, and we have, we have Sunday morning, but, but we've taken time off from the extra stuff. We've cut the fluff off the church, so to say. Cut off the extra things. The kids are all in here with us, and I think it's great for the kids to see the adults praying, to see the adults laying on their face. And when we have this outbreak in the church, they may not be paying attention. They may be playing around or rolling on the chairs, but I guarantee you they're getting part of it. They're, they're, they're seeing what's going on. And when this group of adults presses into God and we have this outbreak happen, these kids are going to know how it happened. And they're going to bring that in the, in, in the generation to come, right? And I lost my train of thought. But anyway, we have to remember where we, where we came from. We can't go back, right? And then do that thing. Think about this. You used to have, to be, you, you used to have devotion because you were excited about the word. Remember those days? When you started digging in, you were excited about it, but now you have devotion because you're supposed to. Amen? Are you still excited about your devotion? Are you still excited about your time with God? But we have times that we're up and down, right? Sometimes we just push through it, do we not? I think that fits everybody. Sometimes we're just pushing through it because we know we're supposed to. And in those times, it's kind of dried a little bit. It's not, it's not really alive. It's not living to us. But we've got to push into those times. What, what God's given me to do lately is, is come, start coming back to the church. I was, I was trying to do my devotion at home, and I would try to pray on, on my forklift at work, or I would try to do this or that, and there's distractions everywhere. And he had me to start coming back to the church. And not everybody can come to the church, but everybody's got a place they can get alone. Start going back to the way I used to be. Start coming over here and giving him my first fruit. Don't let Brenda drag me off to lunch before I come and pray. Sometimes I can serve my wife and get her ahead of God. Any of y'all ever do that? I'm not trying to throw her under the bus, but I love her. God gave me a great woman, and sometimes I can get her in front of God. It's real easy to do. So instead of going to lunch with her or do anything else, I've got to come here now. I come here, and in the days that I work, I pray in my car, and, and I'm listening to podcasts, and I'm doing the best that I can do, but I'm getting back to the way that I used to be. Does that make sense? 
Because if I don't serve God out of a devotion to him, I'm no good to you. And it's the same for all of us. I'm no good to my family. When I'm not serving God out of a devotion to him, I get sharp with my family. My mouth gets ahead of my brain. Y'all are quiet. Apparently you know what I'm talking about. Right? If your devotion time has become dry or dead, check your relationship. Check your relationship with him tonight. In Matthew 5, 14, and 16, 14 through 16, it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. He calls us to be the light. This word right here on a hill, I checked that in the concordance, and it's talking about a mountaintop. You're the light that should be on top of the mountain, right? We're sitting up on top of the mountain so that all can see us. All the world's looking at us, and they're going to be looking at us anyway, whether we do our, our service out of a devotion or not. And it cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under, their, under a basket, but on a lampstand. There's that word lampstand again, right? Church, we're supposed to be the lampstand. We're supposed to be the light to the world. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. That's what we're here for, to be his ambassadors. To do what he would do if he was here. To say what he would say if he was here. How can I do what he would do if he was here or say what he would do if he was here if I don't have that relationship with him? I can read the word and I can get what I can get out of the word, but without that relationship, without that relationship, right? We all need to, we all need to be bold enough tonight. I, I pray that you would be bold enough tonight to, to just pray this. Lord, let us start over again. Let me start over again. He goes on in verse 5 to say, if we don't do this, if we don't do the repentant part, if we don't look at it, repent, and then get back to where we're at, y'all can read it, right? It says he'll remove our lampstand. It says he'll take away that from the church. I don't see it that we have any choice, that we have to serve out of a relationship, right? If we want a church where we serve out of a relationship, can I say then that there's no room for compromise? There's no room to let anything get in front of God. There's no room to let Brenda get in front of God, as beautiful she is, or my job, or my family, or whatever it is. There's no room for compromise. There's no room to come out of his word and say, well, his word says that I'm not supposed to be there or do this, but, but a little bit of it's not really going to hurt me, is it? Right? It's, th th there's no room to compromise and be like what the world wants the church to be. Right? It's a decision that we must make. Every one of us, each and every one of us, you can say, well, preacher, you come over here and pray before every service, and you do this, and, and you're doing this unto him, so that's really good enough, right? You can come in and entertain me for 30 minutes on Sunday morning, and, and we're good. But it's a decision that each and every one of us have to make. I want to have a church. I want to be part of a church, not to have a church. This isn't my church. I'm just part of this church. We're all part of this body. But I want to have a body of Christ where we're doing everything is under the Lord. And if we're not doing our jobs, if we're not serving as unto him, and I'm not talking about just church jobs, I'm talking about as a man to be the head of my house, I need to do it as unto him. As a pastor to be, the, to, to be part of this church, I need to do that as unto him. When I come over here and pray on Tuesday night, when I tune my guitar, I need to do it as unto him. When I'm at work at Ford running a forklift, I need to do it as unto him. In every part of my life, I need to do it as unto him. 
that's a decision that I've made trying to move forward. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to put an extra effort in doing everything is unto him. Into serving him out of my relationship with him. Not serving him just because I've got a position or because I have a job. Or because that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's something that I would like to ask each and every one of you to take a look at tonight. Are you serving God just because mom or dad says you have to be here tonight? Are you serving God just to be an example to your children? Are we serving him just because we always go, just because that's what we do? Or have we been spending the time with him that we need? I met with Tony and Stefan today, and I'm going to ask each of the teachers this. We've, you, you've been out of your classes for, we, we've had Sunday school, but you've been out of midweek classes, and we've, we've, we've cut the things out in the men's group and the ladies' group and things. We've cut those things out. Have you been feeding yourself? Have you got your batteries charged this month? Because that's what the 30 days was for. We talked about 30 days. That's what it's for is to press into God. Have we done that? What are you doing for your devotion time? What are you doing to get yourself closer to God? Are you closer to God right now than when we came out of revival? Ask yourself that. If we're not closer to him, maybe what we're doing is not enough or we're not doing it in the right way. Does that make sense? Sometimes we've got to shake some things up, stir some things up a little bit. So we go ahead and pray. If anybody needs to come and lay anything down, the altars are always open. Father, we thank you for this night, Daddy. We just love you, Father, and we just praise your mighty name, Father. Lord, this seems like such an elementary, simple message tonight, Father God. I know this is an easy kind of message to just shut down, Father, but I pray that you would cause it to just go in our ears, Lord, and get in our heart, Lord, and just cause us to have a look at our relationship with you, Father God. Convict us, convince us on this night if we need to be, Father God. Lord, just draw us near to you, Daddy. Lord, I pray that you would just set a fire in each one of the, the people who, who can hear my voice tonight, Father God, especially in the leadership, Father God. Lord, that we would get these things right, Daddy. That we would be doing any service that we do, Father. Any words that we speak, Father God, to other people, Lord, on your behalf, Lord, that we're doing them out of a relationship, Dad. Lord, we thank you for this, Daddy, and we praise you, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would just draw us near to you, Lord. Protect us this week, Daddy. Protect us from evil, Lord. Protect us from sin, Father God. Lord, protect us from our own words, Daddy. Lord, just draw us nearer to each other. Lord, draw us nearer to, to, to you, Dad. In Jesus' name we pray these things, Father God. Amen.